Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is your boy, Coach Josh Smalls. Thank you all for tuning in. Welcome to Coffee Time with Coach. Um, hope everybody had a good night's rest because I did not. But I feel refreshed because I have coffee, and coffee is always the perfect way to wake up in your morning. I'm sure some of you adults are going to have some other things to say about that, but coffee works for me. Okay, so cups up. I have an amazing guest for you today. I'm so honored that he had time on his busy schedule to be here. So um, um, I, I really can't wait to bring him on. Uh, like I said, I just want to thank y'all for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we're not going to waste some time. We're going to get right at it because this brother is 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 the real deal. And I'm happy that he's here. And um, if you have any questions, always post them on IG, post them in. But if you can come on, come on to YouTube, come on to Facebook and post it that way, because that actually helps me out a lot. And I can actually... Um, send it to a lot of places. It makes it a lot easier for me to see it that way than for me to fight and try to find it in another route. So um, I um, I have someone who is uh, looking to do some amazing stuff here. And uh, I want to make sure I introduce you all to them this later on in the week. Some honorable mentions that I'll have and stuff like that and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to, okay, that's not going to work for me. So we're just going to get right out of that. And uh, I was trying to do something here, but Mike in the building. So let me introduce you to y'all for the very first time. Some of you may already know him. Um, and if you don't, you'll get to know him today. Welcome, my guest, Mr. Desan Ahano. Desan, what's up, my brother? Man, nothing much, man. How are you? I'm great. How you doing today? Man, I'm doing good, man. I can't complain about nothing. It ain't going to do no good. <laughs> well, first, let me thank you for being here. It's an honor to have you here. I was happy I was able to reach out to you in short notice and get you in. Um, when I first decided I was going to do this, um, there's just certain, uh, a certain select group that I wanted to make sure I had time to bring on. Definitely you. Um, I've watched your works and, and things that you do. So, to have you here, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's an honor for me. So, first thing I want to do is let you introduce yourself to the people here. Let them know who you are, where you're from, what you do, and you know, you know how that goes. You do interviews yeah. all day, bro. <laughs> Man, so I'm Desana Hanu, um, North Carolina, born and raised, um, born in Raleigh, adopted by Durham. That's where I'm based at right now. Um, and man, um, my life is art and culture, man. So educator, uh, scholar. Uh, I work in higher ed, um, teaching creative writing and hip hop. Um, I'm an arts administrator. I'm currently running a running a, a grant uh, artist fellowship program right now. Um, I'm an artist myself, poet, writer, MC, uh, performing artist, playwright. I'm a run a I run a theater company. Um, you know, just I work with organizations, helping them do you know do art based projects. Um, help out with some festivals and conferences, man. Uh, you know, just whatever I can do in terms of centering this art and making sure people don't forget about what we're doing out here. Awesome stuff. Um, so first, I want to say I hate North Carolina this time of year because at 6 a.m. it's 40 degrees and then by 12 o'clock it's like 90 and then I'm freezing all over again when I go to sleep, so. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. It, it, it's real, it's real temperamental, man. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, up north, it makes a decision and sticks with it. Down here, it's like, oh, no, I think I want to be warm now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be cold again. I, I learned that the hard way. And um, I, don't get me wrong. I, there's some things I love about North Carolina. Mm -hmm. 
don't get me wrong. I've I've grown a lot as an adult in North Carolina. So North Carolina isn't the worst place to be. I will say that. Um, in fact, when you look at how many movies they film in North Carolina, North Carolina is a hot spot for movies. I mean, they film everybody's movie here. And initially, I thought when they when I got into um, thinking about writing films and stuff like that, I, I thought that that's why people were here because the taxes were cheap. But that's not the case. Because I think Atlanta and um, Delaware have the cheapest uh, um, taxes when it comes to that. But man, they love North Carolina. But I, the scenery is amazing, and I definitely I definitely like that. So yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, Let's talk about, uh, I just have a few questions that I do with my guests and then, you know, I'll turn it over to you. I just kind of warm you up a bit, I guess. Okay. Um, um, as far as um, an educator, how long have you been um, teaching? And, 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 and tell me like some of your greatest moments. So that's okay. So there's a, there's a, there's a two prong, two parts, two part story to that. Okay. So, um, Working with young folks, I got started um, when I was a teenager. So one of the things down here is that when you are, you age out of summer programs here with Parks and Rec, and the minute you age out, you age out of 14, 15, you can get your workers permit. And that's one of the first kind of jobs you can get is to work for Parks and Rec. And so, um, my mom got bored with me one summer. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to have been at football practice, and I was being a bum. And uh, we were supposed to be doing, you know, off, you know, off season two days, what have you. And I was trying to avoid working out. And uh, she said, "I got a trick for you." And so she took me down to the center. I had just aged out. She took me out to the center where I had been at. Was like, put this boy to work. And so um, that's where I started. Uh, they put me to work. And then I had an aunt who worked with Head Start. So I got to help out. She was like a director for Head Start, which is uh, pre-K here. Did that um, after school programs, all of these kinds of things I did growing up as a way to make money. And I did that all the way into my freshman year in college. Um, so that's where I started getting used to working with young folks. My mom kept telling me I was going to be a teacher. I was like, no, no, I'm not. And then, you know, when I got started going to open mics and everything, um, I got asked if I would come and just visit some kids. And I was always, I'm always down for any opportunity, man, to help out. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of led me to doing and developing workshops. Yeah. Um, and so I started getting back into that, you know, because I had that familiarity. Once anybody found out, oh, you, oh, you used to do something. They were like, well, why don't you come and talk to the kids and do some writing stuff? I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And then 2006 is when I got a chance to move into higher ed. Um, an old professor that I had who also knew me from community work pitched the idea to my alma mater, my undergraduate alma mater. And they bit and let me come on board to do some things on campus. Um, and I got a residency, residency there. And they're the ones who convinced me to go get my master's so I could actually like officially be on record as a professor. So that, that's, that's how I got into it, man. And you know, I think um, the thing, I love teaching writing, mm -hmm. um, but when I really think about like the things that stand out to me, it's the connection. So like, there's two kind of moments. One is, one is after teaching writing and one is before. Um, 
when I was in college, I initially went to in, in North Carolina A&T in Greensboro. And uh, they took me and put me at this outdoor park, you know, so what, there was no gym, no nothing. It was this outdoor park in the middle of this rich neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so for, I would go out there and sit every day and watch kids go by and be like, who is, who is the Negro at the park? As they're on their way to golf and, you know, and soccer practice. Wow. But I did that for about three, three weeks for like, they got real curious and came down to see who I was. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks after, man, like they would just come and hang out. And then by the time we got halfway through the summer, um, I had them down there at the park with me. Like they would get done with whatever activity moms had planned and come racing down to the park to come hang out. Um, And then I could go back over there on the weekends and and just hang out and the kids would come down. They know, they remember who I was, go over there and play basketball or what have you, man. But it was real cool because I I always wondered how I got thrown over in that neighborhood because I didn't see a kid like me (laughs) in that neighborhood. But by the time the summer was over, you know what I'm saying, them kids had me all over there, man, playing soccer and what have you. Um, That kind of relationship is the kind of thing that always sticks out is being able to to create a space where young folks feel and can build a certain level of trust. Um, There was no issues. I didn't have no parents coming down there wondering like, who you going to hang with? If anything, parents would come down there, thank you so much. My son comes back. My daughter talks about you. You know, so glad for what you're doing in the community, man. It was like a real thing. Um, And so for me, that was important. And I couldn't wait, having had those experiences, Mm -hmm. to be able to then add and give these kids a tool like writing, which is something I didn't have the ability to do before. But once I learned and figured it out, I'm like, oh, we can establish this trust in these relationships. And then I can, like, give you this thing you can use to, like, express yourself. Yeah. Well, then we about to have a ball. <laughs> That's been what it is. Like these kids have been right. Have I've had some like really, really, really transformative experiences with like what happens when you give them that outlet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a guest that has a uh, a question. A viewer has a question. Do you recall a student that truly connected to writing in one of your classes? And if so, how did that make you feel? Yeah, I've had a few of those. And it's so crazy because I recently, um, last year, last April, I did this program at East uh, Elizabeth City State okay. University. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been there doing some town halls with the students, just kind of getting the temperature of the campus. But it was um, April of sexual, silence, sexual Assault Awareness Month. So I was down there with one of the counseling centers um, and a young lady walks up. She's like, design. And I look and I'm like, hey. And she's like, do you remember me? And I was like, no, like refresh my memory. And she tells me who she was. So I had, um, I have a friend who was doing a residency out in the country in North Carolina. And um, he was going to be gone. He had to go, he had to go to New York uh, with his band. He had a really important gig and recording session. So I filled in for the week. Mm-hmm. Went down there. One of the writers, um, down there, he was teaching them performance and everything. So I went down to specifically do some writing exercises. Young lady uh, decided that she wanted to really address her relationship with her father. 
and the dynamics of of the you know the split between the parents and everything that she was dealing with and some of the things she had seen one of those things where you know i had the same kind of situation with my father when i first started writing and performing um, about like this record and and my mom about like how much they do not think that you see Mm -hmm. um and until you tell them they're completely unaware in that week that i was with them she decided to write a piece and was going to use that as her piece to perform, which means that none of this had ever been said to her father and she was going to do it on stage for the first time. Wow. And I'm sitting there and so like she wrote it, she finally felt like she could share it, she shared it. Everybody's, you know, peers are all like loving on her. She's teary-eyed, I'm falling apart, man. But to, to do that, and it turned into this thing where um, that was a moment of being able to open the door for her to have a whole completely different kind of conversation for, with her dad. But it also was amazingly empowering. So then I see her, I see her now. She comes on. I'm like, well, cool. It's so good to see you. She was there helping out with the event. Next uh-huh. thing you know, she jumps on stage to do a cover. I didn't know she could sing. Wow. She's up there. She's tearing the stage down. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And, you know, and she just talked about being able to have that opportunity to find her artistic self. And so she writes, she sings, she's like doing all this stuff on campus. But like that, like that moment of giving somebody that tool and see it just open the door to that person that they really are. Those are, I'm getting chills because I, I understand that. Those are the moments as an educator, as an instructor, um, as a, a, a workshop facilitator. Those are the moments, right, that make you remember, this is why I signed up to do this. Mm-hmm. This is why. Wow. Um, I think that's amazing. A lot of times we don't realize the, we, we don't realize the impact till later. And then I always tell people, you never know who you're going to see again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I did a. Um, the first time I went into uh, actually to speak to children when I started, um, you know, doing poetry events here in Charlotte. First time I did that was uh, um, at the. It's like it's like when they when they when children are in the system, mm-hmm. foster care and those things. And the young lady gave a poem. And I always share this story because I want, you know, a lot of women go through the same thing. But the young lady shared this poem about. You know, her dad and her brothers, and uncles and, and cousins. And she felt like the only reason why she was there was to give them what they wanted, man. And it broke me, yo. It's not like, because this was my first experience talking to children like that. Now, I've, I've worked in rec centers all my life, right? It's funny how we all that that do this, like we have a similar um, background. Worked in rec centers all my life, coaching, um, just being a counselor, youth counselor, you know how that works, right? Never have I had someone present a poem about this, right? And then what am I supposed to tell her? Mm-hmm. Broke me, I was like, I, because I'm hurting for this young lady and don't have what I need to give her. So that kind of launched what Granny's Boys decided to, to try to do. So I'm saying to say, if when it happens, right, I'm not even gonna know how to address this young lady because the poem was so powerful to be 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And then to be in a 13 year old mindset, and to think about writing it in that manner was just like, oh man, blew my mind, blew my yep. mind, yeah, my mind. 
I'm sure you have a million stories like that. <laughs> Man, it, 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 it's, it's just, it's, I, you know, so much so that, you know, part of what I've been doing is telling, whenever I'm dealing with a community organization, I'm like, look, you need to be mindful of what we're discovering when we, when we show up to do work in a community. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always thought of in that way. Like folks are excited that we're there because the kids get a creative outlet. Right. Um, but nobody thinks about exactly what that opens the door to and what they feel, what they begin to start to share. And I'm like, if y'all really thought about it, you would be plugged in to where we are. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if we're successful in what we do, then these kids are going to start telling a bunch of truths. Come on. And so, you know, when you're thinking about the kind of services and support you want to provide them, like y'all need to be aware of what kind of teaching artists are working and where they're working, who they're working with. Yeah. Because guarantee you there's some truths and you'll you'll get a sense that don't have not been told anywhere else until they get until they get a chance to work with us. Yeah. I, I, there's something that um they see in, in, in it's something in how they see themselves in what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not us. Mm -hmm. We're just opening the door, right? And I try to tell people this all the time. If you come to a workshop that I'm doing, I'm just opening up your mind to something that you might not have been accustomed to. And then you can take everything that you put in that has nothing to do with me. I'm just giving you a little bit, a little leeway and everything you put in that is you. Um, one of the workshops that I love doing, um, I because people actually end up looking at themselves totally different. Mm -hmm. It comes a different thing. So amazing, amazing. Um, Hold on one second, John. Okay. So if you're on the live, we're talking to Desan Hanu. He is um, breaking down some of his experience as a um, creative writing coach, as an educator, um, as an instructor. Amazing. I hope that you caught that um, powerful um, message he just gave. And if not, you're watching the replay, but it was very powerful. So if you're yeah. just um, you can check on, on I can say, go on YouTube, my YouTube channel, or Respect the Mike Slam on Facebook. It's on there. I think I shared it on my page, too. Also on the Empowerment Duo, I'm on that page as well on Facebook. So if you're just tuning in, thank you for tuning in. Um, man, this is, this is, I told y'all this was going to be a very powerful one because I know, um, I, I know, I, I know some of the history, right? And I'm learning some things, too. Okay, we have a question here. We got a couple of questions. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. Uh, first question was, I think you answered, do you enjoy teaching? Oh, it says, do you enjoy teaching or learning more and why? It's a That's very a good question. Very good question. Um, I love learning. I love learning. And honestly, for me, teaching is learning. Um, uh, there's, there's just a relationship with it. But learning feeds how I create. Um, and it keeps me curious. Uh, it keeps me digging and searching for things um, so that I don't I don't settle in the way that I create or think or question or interrogate. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, just the idea that there's more to learn is important to me. Uh, another one. If you could give one writing lesson in one sentence, what would that be? Wow. One writing lesson in one wow. sentence. <laughs> hmm. So, you so know, 
this is coming from a lot of people who um are we've become friends on Instagram mm -hmm. and we are actually doing some things together. So a lot of these people have a lot of respect for Granny Sports and what we're doing. So I'm sure this is why these are the kind of questions that's coming because of the conversations we have. So which are great questions though. Great Yo, questions. No, that's an amazing question. One writing lesson in one sentence. Yeah. Um always remember that anything is possible as long as you believe you can write your way there. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Let me see, it's one more in here. Oh, I think you answered this already. Are you receptive to writers without teaching, without any teaching? Um, yeah, see, the, the, the thing, the, the, the one of the things that we gotta dispel um, is, A lot of the perception, a lot of the, a lot of the things that that we kind of have to sift through, are put there by gatekeepers, uh, and it's cultural and it's you know it's industry. It, it, it comes from these places that 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 aren't about where the writing starts. Mm -hmm. um, and so, honestly, for me, I would much rather someone explore. Um, writing okay uh prior to formal study uh because because i believe in discovery i believe in process and when we think about ourselves as kids like we played and then started to kind of understand and gain what we were playing with and what playing was and then you build but you've got to have a chance to play man like that's the key um you know you coach like there's a difference between a kid that you that came out the park playing, just you know, out there emulating his favorite players and throwing the hoop around and the way they approach, and a kid who's been camped up and trained up since they were little, because they had the privilege of being there's there's just a difference. Yeah. Um yeah. what I learned was the difference is one kid is way more apt to adjustment. <laughs> and when things don't go the way that they think they should that kid has a totally different perspective than the kid who's been trained a particular way. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to adjust or adapt. And so, um, I, I, so many similarities between sports and writing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like give yourself room to play. And then when you start to learn and take some class, like when you, when you default, the training comes, mm -hmm. you start to see, okay, you have a wider range of how to apply the things yeah um and you're drawing from a different place and i think that's so beautiful man yeah um but it doesn't that doesn't get valued so a lot of folks feel like that the training is where your writing begins so i'm like nah that's bs that's not where it is your experiences are where the writing begins mm -hmm. your training is how you build on what you know and refine your ability to be able to deliver your thoughts but nah that's not where it starts yeah you know, um, and I think you know this, but if you don't, I'm gonna say it anyway. I, I didn't hate Slam. I just never expected to be a part of Slam, right? I, I don't mind watching it, right? But I was like, nah, I'm not gonna Slam. And um, then when 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 BlackBerry came, we sat down, and then you know I took over with respect to my Slam. Even then, remember, y'all still didn't really see me Slam. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, I would pop in because in my mind, I'm like, well, let me learn this thing before I jump myself wholeheartedly into it. Now I've had, after the first year, cause the first year we had, um, we still had three rookies on the team. Mm -hmm. I've had rookies every year 
And then I've had people who've only been one year and now they're with me again, they're two years. Now they're with me again, now they're three years, right? So I had, you know, I guess juniors at the time. However, still I wasn't really slamming because I wanted to learn more about it. And then I actually got to sit back and watch my writing as it grew in learning it. And the magic in that was being able to teach people from my experience from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that took, it was, the best part about that was I learned it kind of just sitting back and just, instead of somebody saying, hey, this is the way you need to go, right? And I've been to workshop, I've been to your workshop, um, which that Lil Wayne one still got me jacked up, bro. Like I, I will never look at Lil Wayne the same ever again, right? Um, anyway, let's get off that for a minute. Let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about family, your family circle growing up. What was that like? So, you know, I grew up as an only child, so what? which is another big thing. Um, and my mom and pop, my mom was 16, my dad was 17 when, when I was born. And so my mom was still growing up herself. So I grew up with parents growing up. Um, my grandmothers were really, really instrumental because of that. Um, and my mom, you know, her mom was present, but she had, um, she was the oldest of five. And so there's three other girls in the house. My uncle stayed with my grandmother when my grandparents split. Uh, my dad's mom um, had two other daughters in the house. Her oldest daughter was with her dad's family. My grandmother had remarried. Um, and so she was heavily involved in helping to also raise my mom, um, which and claimed me from off the gate. So, you know, I had my mom and then these two matriarchs that were there. And that was sort of in around a bunch of black women. So that's kind of the environment I grew up in. There was a little while before the next grandchild came around. There's another grandchild on my dad's side. We're the same age, okay. but that's his oldest sister's son. She had an older daughter. We, I saw them sporadically, but they lived elsewhere. Um, there's about the, there's the same amount of years between the next grandchild on both sides. Oh, so wow. I'm the only grandchild on both sides. You can imagine that grandma tug of war for like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but so that's that's the way that came and then by the time my little cousin started to come you know i'm I'm starting to be a teenager so my relationship with them is a little different because i didn't grow up with kids so um i started to kind of help babysit and did that so we we're, we're close but there's just that gap yeah um and so you know um but yeah i didn't want for anything man a working class family we didn't have a whole lot but i didn't want for nothing mm -hmm. um uh, you know, I saw some miracles get made by these black women in terms of just making everything stretch. And, you know, I had uncles and my um, my mom's mom got remarried. Um, and so he was, you know, good dude, truck driver, postal worker, you know, like that kind of, you know, get you a good solid job with benefits, you work until you retire. And that's the kind of upbringing I came from. Um, he was a good old country boy out, the, you know, out the fields. And um, my other grandfather was a teacher um, for many, many years. And then, you know, whatever side hustles, you know, say, you know how we do. Yeah. Um, and so that's the kind of environment, man. And because I was the only kid, they kind of let me, you know, I was spoiled. Definitely. Like I guess I didn't want for nothing, but also they kind of let me just kind of find my own way. Um, mm -hmm. I was around adults a lot, but they kind of like always made me find my own way. Curious, find, kept me, kept, kept giving, you know, giving me stuff to do. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my ability to like, imagine and be imaginative and explore was cool. They let that run. They let that run and kind of fed it. Um, so I learned to read early because they, you know, they fed me books. They, you know, it's just more, 
Now that I'm adult, I realize when I was young, I thought it was cool. Now that I'm adult, I realize they were keeping me occupied, so I didn't bother nobody. But because of that, any toy, any learning thing, anything they could, they, they could afford to get me in or give to me, they gave it to me and I ate it all up. And so that kind of fed that learning piece because I'm curious by nature. And so and it was like either give him something to do or he's going to start rambling and be mischievous. So let's keep him occupied. But that's the way, man, you know, like um, for 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 most of my life, man, my two grandmothers were the center of my family circle. We gathered around those matriarchs multiple times a year, mm -hmm. every year until they passed. So that's most of how I grew up and a big part of, of how I'm, who I am. I'm listening to uh, I'm listening to your story, and my mom, you know, you've known me well enough to know my mom is my superhero, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when she comes to our events, I'm always I'll make sure everybody know. Look, that's our mother. Me and Wits, like that's my mom. She in the building, show us some love. And I'm, I'm I mean, everybody received my mom so well. Um, and I'm thinking, I'm hearing, listen to you, and I'm thinking of the poem I wrote. Let me tell you what God looks like. And when you look at the, the the plight of the black woman, right? Oh my gosh, like what? I don't care what higher power you believe in, even if it's just energy or if it's just spiritual, mm -hmm. if you don't see that in a black woman and her struggles, I don't care what you get from that. You're gonna say that, I mean, that is that image, man. Like when you have that, right? And I understand people have different stories with their moms and different plights. I always tell people like this, um, my dad was around, he kind of left when he, he was around until I was about eight and my mom was like done at eight. And I learned things about my dad and I had, to, I had to ask myself this first. I said, well, if you were in his shoes, what would you have done? Because I could easily say, oh, he should have done this or he should have done that. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that I would not have done the same thing he did in his situation. Mm -hmm. So I have to accept that for that, right? But even in that, what about my mom? You know what I mean? Like she could have been something else. I always tell the story. My mom had a scholarship to dance with Alvin Ailey in this hand. And she had the other hand on her womb because I was in her belly. And they told her she had a decision to make. Had she chose differently, we wouldn't even be on here right now. Mm -hmm. So it's no way I can't honor that superhero that I've always known. So I, 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 I get it, bro. I get it. I get it. I get it. That is amazing. Um, let's see. I got um, fatherhood. Thank you so much. Fatherhood. You have yes. a daughter, right? Yes, sir. Talk to me about that. You know, it's amazing. All the men that I've brought on that we've talked so far, everybody has a daughter. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Man, so, you know, it's it's a powerful thing for me, just given, you know, I mean, and folks who know my poems, you know, the, the one of the things that, I, that I've addressed, just because I'm a man, is me and my, my, my is my pops. And so to, because um, I'm, for my pops, I'm the oldest of eight. Um, and so, you know, just carrying that weight, and, you know, you grow up hearing, you know, that worry and concern that you're going to be like your dad and, you know, and for me being the fact that I was born when he was 17, so much of those young dumb years, um, I'm present for. Mm. And so then it's really heavy, 
you know, because everybody's struggling with him about like, yo, get it together, get it together. Um, because of course, you know, there's that point, point in time where it's like, we have time and then you get to a certain age and you're like, what well, you gonna do what you gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just heavy on me. And when I, I used to always say like, I didn't want, I didn't want children unless I was in the right situation because I'm looking at this. And they used to always laugh. And I was like, if I can, you know, if I could magically be able to, uh, and it had an impact on how I thought about relationships. I used to be like, if I could magically, like if I could have a child, because I always went with kids and knew I could be good, then that would be good. But I would not want a situation where there's this, this dynamic between me and the other parent if we can't be right. Um, and so that was a big thing for me. Yeah. And then I met, I met, I met a woman. Um, she had a one-year-old, uh, we felt, you know, we started dating, we fell in love. I also fell in love with her daughter and she put this opportunity in front of me for me to be in Nicole's life. And regardless of what happened with our relationship, we kind of went through a tough time where we had to kind of find a way to, 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 to build a friendship. The one thing she never, she was like, I, I'm not going to keep that from you. Wow. Um, and so Nicole's dad was going through whatever he was going through, which was real familiar for me. I knew exactly what that was. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to be there. Wow. You know, knew the family, had already met the family. You know, they were cool with me. So I had access. I was able to be there for those moments. Um, and then we got to middle school and they had moved and we had a conversation where she's like, look, you know, she's starting to get into some of the things that, um, that you also are into that, you know, she's, mm-hmm. you know, she started playing sports, you know, like there, she was like, she's growing into this dynamic young woman Wow. and we gotta, I need, I need, I need help. Mm-hmm. And I, so like, she was like, I, I really need for you to be here uh, and be present so we can do this because she needs, she's going to need both of us. And I'm like, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I'll, you know, I'll always be grateful for that. I'll always be grateful for her throughout this whole journey. Cause Nicole's 25 now for all this whole journey to allow me to be there. Yeah. Um, and to, to, and then for Nicole to just, you know, to be in a place where, um, she's like, yeah, like, these are my parents. And so that's been amazing, man, because, um, you know, for me, for, for me is parenthood is one thing and just to watch this, yo, (laughs) there's some moments where watching (laughs) this young girl grow up and, um, and some of the things, um, our relationship and some of the trust that's been built, some of the conversations I had to be okay with that I never thought that I would be okay having to have, (laughs) <laughs> the, the 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 moments and you you know you can't you before you were in that situation you always have a perspective about how you like i'm a and then when you're in it you realize you can't really do that so like man i've grown so much man yeah. um um just being able to watch her and like she's wrapping up grass she's you know she's in her last year of grad school just an amazing person, man. And uh, we have so many things alike. Um, it, it's just it's just really dope. But just 
also I have to give, you know, when I, I'm not one of those people that, that, that says that like being a poet or art, like saved my life. Um, but it changed my life in ways that I can't repay enough mm-hmm. because that journey and what it opened up to me, because social just like it opened up this, all this understanding to me wasn't just for me. It put me in a place for some of the things that she went through mm-hmm. that my folks out here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Equipped me to be able to handle when she was facing it. Um, I had heard it, seen it, knew people, had had conversations, could pick up the phone and be like, yo. And the other life that I was headed for, I can't say I would have had that kind of circle. Um, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm amazingly grateful. And for her to be able to see me, you know, reach and kind of take some risks and for it to be the way that it is for her to believe she can do the same and she can be creative and imaginative in her own way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, you know, I have an 18 year old daughter and um, Tamika and I have a baby on the way now, January. Nice. So, yes. Bro, <laughs> I'm at it again. It's going to be a different ride this time because experience teaches you some things, right? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. When, when my, my, my oldest daughter, I told her mom at the time, I said, um, you know, when that time of month comes, if she happens to have her cycle and you're not here, when you come here, she'll be laying on the on the towel when you get home. I'm going to bring her soup and ju- You know what I mean? Like like you you, you think, right? Like you, you're not prepared for some things. And it's amazing how just listening in will allow you to learn so much. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so first of all, salute, man. Just hearing that. I love to hear dad says, you know, and there's something about when the father has a little girl. I don't care what the dynamics might have been prior, right? Once that little girl's in his life, there's some things that change. Mm-hmm. And I love to see when I talk to, to men, especially black men, and they say, my daughter, and their whole face lights up. Yeah, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize how my face lit up until I did that last book for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And now I got to write another one for this one because I know when she gets old enough, she'll be like, well, dad, you wrote one for her. Where's mine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh man, that is a beautiful story, Desan. Beautiful. I want to talk about something that um, <laughs> is going to be kind of a lot of fun. Let's talk about this sneaker game, bro. So if y'all don't know, Desan sneakers and socks be on point. Man. Where did that come from? Where did that start, man? So okay, <laughs> it is wild. It's wild because it starts from a place that most folks won't expect. So you know, because I didn't. I didn't grow up. Uh, I got lucky. So you know how it is. You you get going back to school clothes each year. Then, of course, if you're lucky, you got Christmas. My birthday's in May. So it's three times a year that I can ask for at least one pair of sneakers. Right? So I got lucky. I got lucky. The timing couldn't have been any better. <laughs> Because I'm in a working class family, so there's no J's, no what have you. But um, what I what, what I peeped was was okay. If if that if I only got one pair, yes, three pairs a year. That's you know that's good for any kid. Mm-hmm. But let me let me let me let me figure out like how what I can clean my joints with. You know I I what kind of shoe I ask for. 
um because i definitely didn't want anything that i was going to run into the ground too quick mm-hmm. so that you know i could i could have some options you know i mean i wasn't dressing or anything i just you know just like the idea of something about having a nice 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 sneak on my foot and then of course you always kept your old joints for balling for hooping cutting grass what have you but my dad's mom watch when you talk about black women and miracles man I don't, I don't ask no questions. I don't know how, but like, you know, she get a couple knocks at the door a few times a week and folks would be like, what you need? Wow. And she could find stuff on the low. And so I would just, I, she would just surprise me with, with, a, with a pair of shoes, Yeah. you know, and um, it might not, like I said, never had any J's or anything. And sometimes just the kicks, they would, you know, they'd be name brand but they'd be a color. I'm like, I ain't never seen this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, but they knew when they clean. And I'm like, let me get them. And you know, folks be like, where you get that from? I'm like, bro, I don't know. Grandma, grandma <laughs> pulled a miracle. I opened the box. I was like, I don't know what's good. But I, I'm rocking these joints. They're like, yo. So it was just, my grandmother took pride in those kind of things, especially for having a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, Easter suits, back to school clothes, a little something for Christmas for the winter. They just like me. They like to see me. Uh, but growing up, I had no sense of style, bro. So mm-hmm. it was a tug of war with my mama <laughs> because I'd just be throwing stuff on. And my <laughs> grandmothers were very particular. So there were certain moments that I had to be like together. But for the most part, man, I throw some sweats, throw my sleeping on roll. I had this moment in high school because up until seventh grade, my mom's 5'4. My dad's six. My dad, that's the former athlete, 6'3. Six four, five four. Me and my mama look at eye to eye. Wow. Seventh grade, I start to get a little taller. I hit a big growth spurt between eighth and ninth. So by the time I'm like sixteen, I'm six five, six four, six five. So now there's an issue buying clothes that fit. My arms are long, my shoulders are broad. It's a, it's a pain. By the time I get out of high school, I'm now hella self-conscious that I'm like huge mm-hmm. and skinny. And so here's how it started. I wear a size 13. I, for a long time, I could do 12, 13. So now it's 13, 14. The one thing that I knew I could find in a store is my shoe size. I may not always be able to find a shirt that fits or pants that fit but I can find a size 13 or a 12 and a half. So for me to be able to be, to feel fashionable, I started have building what I wore with a, with a clean, fresh pair of kicks. Growing up, you know, kind of coming up and being like a teenager going into the nineties, you know what I'm saying? You could put on, you know, a pair, a pair of pants, or a pair of jeans, shorts, a fresh pair of kicks and a white and a t-shirt. And if everything looks clean, you doing something, you know what I'm saying? You throwing a little, throwing a little chain or whatever, and you doing something. And so that's how it started. Um, It started with just being this, you know, being, being a big dude and wanting to not, you know, saying want to still be fly. Mm -hmm. And I could always set whatever off as long as I kept a clean pair of kicks. And so um, that's what I, that's what I did. And the other thing about growing up with black women is that they taught me to shop. 
this. You ain't never seen bargain shoppers like black women. Bro. <laughs> we'll find a sale deal. You like, how, what? Know, know what part of the store to search? The whole nine. <laughs> Go up and ask the person, like, look, you know, there's a there's a smut, like, they already figured out. I know exactly what to get that out with. Well, hey, uh, excuse me, can I get 20% off? Because the whole nine. <laughs> You be mad as hell, be running around all day as they go from store to store, come back, back all kinds of stuff, then hook up everybody and pay like $40. And yeah. I've been out all day. <laughs> know where the flea markets are, the little spots and stuff. Who got the joints in the back that got sent down from New York because somebody rode the China bus up? Like, <laughs> it's a whole thing, bruh. Yeah. And, um, and so that's that became my thing about sneakers like the hunt for being able to cop something fly on sale yeah um and so that's how the collection built man like i could have been like well this is the new joint out let me go cop this and i got homies like that are on it my my bro my cousin is like a brother to me is polo and jordan down has mm. been that way since we were little wow <laughs> like polo and jordan down yeah um so he copped a new release and I never, that never felt right because it's, for me, it was like, yo, I was over at this little spot, skate shop and caught these joints and like, and then folks be like, oh, I ain't never, I ain't never seen nobody rock those. I'm like, word. Right. So that's how it started, man. And then the socks just came along after, um, because I just love color. Like the artist in me is just like loving colors, man. And did, but that's, that's really how it is. That's really how it started. It wasn't like, I, I was just a fiend for the latest sneaker. Um, it was just a way for me to, to to be distinct and to kind of like build my own sense of style was, um, and it was cost effective. You know what I'm saying? Like I could, I could, if I had to buy, if I had to go to the big and tall section and anybody that's tall or, or big out there knows our section, our section be whack. <laughs> like it's where fashion goes to die, bro. Oh wow! So like you know, what I'm saying like we're all these muted colors over here. Why y'all doing this? To all the big and tall people. Why all the muted colors over here, bro? Where does where the design where the flash? So I gotta wear these jeans, and then I gotta go get like you know a solid shirt because the rest of these shirts are weird. When I put these joints on. And I didn't, I, and the color in the shirt is in the kicks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I moved, and it's like, oh, because because I because everybody noticed I'm the biggest thing in the room, so everybody's like, <laughs> oh, ah, I see what you did. And so you don't have to go through this thing where you're the biggest person in the room trying to shrink. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you stand out so much, you can now just kind of just just kind of walk in and be, and do your thing. Yeah, and that's it, man. Like it's it's a, it's 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 a different kind of like self-awareness mm -hmm. um that that dudes don't talk enough about like we hear women and, and you know and perceptions of beauty and all the things they deal with kind of showing up but dudes don't talk enough and it's funny because whenever i see another tall dude or whenever we chopping it up or what have you you know we had that moment Mm -hmm. um, and you know, there's always a moment where you talk about everybody paying attention. You kind of not like, yeah, another tall person. Whenever you chop it up, you, you know, you share. I, I've had more conversations about clothing with tall dudes and big dudes than I have with any other dude. Wow. 
Wow. Because you never know where to find shit. So when you see another one, you like, yo, bro. Especially if they look fly, you like, yo, bro. Like, there's a scene you look up and down, and then you get to chopping it up. Like, where you find stuff at? Like, where you get those? Like, yo, oh, you know, um, yo, check this out. Go over here. Like, what I started doing was order. Like, hit up this website. Like to this day, because it's 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 a it's a chore. Wow, um, it's a chore. You know what's crazy? Because I don't think so. I don't think we actually formally met until I brought you here for a feature, mm-hmm. right? Then that was CIAA weekend. And when I saw you, obviously I don't know you that tall, right? And then when you, when I, I, I saw the face and then the closer you got, the further my head was going up. And I was like, this is freaking ridiculous. This guy's 6'11", <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, but I didn't know then that, um, I didn't know until Southern Fry. And then I started seeing you more often after, after that first summer fire. I didn't know then how the kick game went on. And, you know, my brother Wiz is all about the socks, too. He loved. So the, the funny thing is we're our, I'm born Halloween. Orange is my favorite color. Always has been. Right. And, you know, the beautiful thing about orange is orange is the national color for gun violence awareness, too. So it's just so amazing that I love the color for so long. And then. At 19, I'm gunned down, and here I am. Gun violence awareness, my favorite colors. Like, well, how's it happen? But I've always been in the bright colors. I love the yellows. I love the orange, the bright. I mean, look at me. I'm always with a bright color, right? Yeah. I'll put on all gray and put on a ridiculously yellow hat because that's my color. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't know the shoe game was like that, bro. And then I'm like, you know, you, you're mad tall, and then boom. It's dope. It's dope. Like if you, we see, we always see the shoe before we see you. That's just the way it works. <laughs> always gonna be that. And the other thing is, is that you know, um, I'm always gonna, there's always gonna be color in the backpack because you know we are you know we carry we carry. I'm always I don't like I don't like solid color playing playing backpacks. Gotcha. Um, um, and so those are two things. Like you I'm taking you notes for shit. I'm gonna start. So, uh, matter of fact, I just ordered a new bag. Um, uh, <laughs> it's good. Folks are gonna laugh, but it, my favorite color is blue. Okay. So any shade of blue, uh, especially na- dark, like true navy blue. Um, and I just ordered a Mickey Mouse joint, navy blue joint, Mickey Mouse joint. I'm, I'm like so excited, you know what I'm saying? Because, um, but it's just those moments, man. It's for me, and um, it's like, when kids are forced to wear uniforms and the sneakers are the only thing that they can, you know, that, that, yeah. all, that socks and sneakers are, are, are that little moment or accessories, you know, girls will do things in their hair. Like, it's like, however you try to confine me or conform or whatever, I'm going to find my way to like, show you who I am. Right. And that's what it is. Um, like I'm going to, wherever I am, uh, even if I'm dressed up, if you wonder who I am, when I sit down and you see the see the leg slide up and you see the socks, you're gonna remember who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like we maybe all be up in here in blue, like power suits, what have you. But when we sit down, you're gonna understand who you're gonna know who who you're dealing with when when, yes. when you when you look down. Yeah. All right, so we got like um, eight minutes or so left. So I want to give you this time to, um, you know, we get interviewed all the time and people don't let us say what we want to say. And kind of just let you take the floor and, and talk about anything you want to talk about. Um, you can talk about, you know, anything you got going on, anything you got coming up, life stuff, anything you want people to learn, know about you, whatever you want. This is your time to, to do your thing. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Man, look, man, the biggest thing, you know, the thing that's kind of 
um, in this moment, uh, this has been heavy. It's about <clears throat> being 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 good to yourself and um, and being mindful that your your way is your way. Mm -hmm. So I always I have this thing that I always say. Um, and it's that I don't want anything that's not intended for me. And then it got reinforced by there was a there's a brother uh, who um, runs Broccoli Fest, uh, which is an amazing festival in DC. That's like a it's like a music cultural festival tied to like healthy eating and like it's an amazing movement. Um, and he went to college down here, so he was down here visiting. Uh, he was on a panel. And he talked about that thing that happens when you see someone like appear or someone like succeeding and you feel something, you feel that twinge or that feeling. And he's like, it's not, not, don't pass it off as being jealous. It's not always jealousy. Mm -hmm. It's not that you want what they have. He's like, a lot of times there's that it's recognition that what you're seeing them accomplish is telling you that there's something you're not going after. There's something that you're not working after the way you could. There's something that you're seeing that you could be doing that you haven't or that you've backed off of or that you're not going after as hard as you should. And when it when he said that, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Like when I see something, I have an opinion about it, but in that moment, I'm happy. And I'm celebrating that because I don't know, and and I and, it, and you, if you're not careful, you'll believe is that you want that thing, and God forbid you go after it and find out that you not nah, I, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want what you had to do to get it. Like this ain't environment for me because now you're stuck somewhere. And you invested time in something that that you have no business wanting. So I was like, that's a reminder. It's good to think when I see it. Ask myself, do I have a problem with this, or is it that? I'm watching, I'm watching someone move how they're supposed to move in order to accomplish, in order to be affirmed or to be celebrated. And I done took the last three weeks, you know what I'm saying? I done took the last year and set something aside that I know I probably should be investing energy in. I just didn't believe it, didn't give it to myself, didn't give myself grace or room to. Um, so if you feel that tug when you see him, it's not a lack, it's a reminder. Mm. you know it's yeah. a reminder like there's something that i believe that i believe just like that person believed could be something impactful that i haven't given it time i chose to do something else or i got pulled in another direction and yeah. seeing that reminds me that there's a thing that i feel like could be impact be impactful too that like i should have i need to be investing time in and i want to offer that because i go through that so much, um, you know, with that, with, with like, where's my, like what, you know, there's so many different things you can be doing. Yeah. And then you got, you know, we, you go through this. There's so many folks wanting to like get your opinion or get you involved. Can you come to do this? And, sit and, and after a while, if you're not careful, you're serving so many other folks other than yourself. That's right. And, and if you believe you, if you believe in being of service, you just make yourself believe that that's what you should be doing, right? 
because yeah. you're being of service. And it's yeah. like, nah, that's they what drew them to you was the way you were moving. Absolutely. And so what you have to remember is to be able to always be able to be of service is to continue to move the way that you move. Um, and so, so that means some things you're going to be able to do and some things you're not. But if you continue to move the way you move, if they can't work with you now, they'll be happy to work with you later. Yeah. But what yeah. you can't sacrifice is the way you move. Um, and you've got to know that it is your, the, your way is your way. It'll get celebrated in ways that may not get so that, that may not get celebrated the same as others. That doesn't mean it's not being celebrated. I had to le I've learned. Doesn't mean it's not getting recognized. When you show up in a place and you introduce yourself, and the person's like, "Oh," and you realize your name got farther than you did, um, but you would have never known until you met that person. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't know you. They just they have heard of you. Right. So until you meet them, they, you would have never known. But then you find out, oh, well, damn, like that thing I did. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, you did such and such with a friend of mine. And you're mm -hmm. like, damn, that was like last year. <laughs> so for 12 months. Right. Your name, like, folks, just glowing about whatever you did 12 months ago. Yeah. You ain't heard nothing else about it since. But you end up walking into a room where folks are like, oh, my God. Oh, you you do amazing work and you're like, yeah, you did this thing. And I'm like, oh, damn, that was 12 months ago. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And generally for me, when that happens, there's, and there's in that moment, there's the possibility of whatever the next seed is getting planted to be. Right. Which mm -hmm. means that it was waiting for me. Now, if I had a did that thing, and whenever the people who were there to saw that thing and had ideas for the next three months of whatever they wanted me to do, if I got off track away from moving, then I don't end up in that room. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't end up in that room. And, and, you know, so it's like where I find out, you know what I'm saying, get the opportunity to, so your way is your way. Yeah. And you've just got to, you've just got to do that. We've all got to just keep pushing and plugging. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and remember that, that celebrate got about a minute you. left or not. Okay. okay. Just to remember that, just to remember that and that, that impact matters. Yeah. Um, one used to say that, you know, let's talk about stage performance. He was like, stage performance is so important because if you're good on stage, it's like insurance, you'll always get called back. The way you move and the way you have that impact on the ground um, will always hold weight. And whenever you don't think it is, somebody will let you know, I know you because I know your work. And now I have a chance to know you in person. And let's, let me like, and with that is going to be, I either have a piece of advice, an opportunity or something to give you because I want to make sure you keep moving. You keep moving how you move. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there. Especially during these times, because it's so tough to navigate. Mm -hmm. Keep moving how you move. Your way is your way, and it's going to always pay off. Well, listen, Desan, hold on. I don't want you to leave off the broadcast. Stay behind talking for a few seconds. Um, okay. Down. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This was amazing. I told you it was going to be super powerful because this brother is super dope. I, I got a lot of inspiration from him over the years that I met him and known him. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll be right back tomorrow. I'm going to put his information in the feed since we didn't have time to put it up there because I was talking too much. but. 
Thank y'all for tuning in, and we will see y'all tomorrow morning, same time, coffee time with Coach Ja. Let's make it happen. Peace and love. Peace.